believers that are on fire are just going to continue to be added like unto their numbers. And together it's a holy inferno because what God is doing with baptizing us in the Holy Spirit and with fire is that he is increasing the spirit of holiness. to me and he said some things and he said, I want you to tell them this, that he says that he, the Lord is establishing this place to be a pivotal sanctuary. When something is pivotal, it's central. It's crucial. It's critical. It's a significant part. He is establishing this house to be a pivotal sanctuary. I want you to remember the word sanctuary. He is entrusting us to keep the fire burning in this place that he calls glory, the glory outpouring. He says, I'm entrusting you to keep the power of my spirit and the glory outpouring continually going. Let it continually go forth. Not every place and not every believer will walk in the glory of God. And I think we all understand that. I think we've all seen this, right? Not every Christian is going to walk with the fire of God. We all have seen that. We all understand. This is not a judgment. It's just an observation. This is an observation. Are we to not observe and judge fruit? Okay. So God's saying that there is a pouring out, in outpouring, that he is doing. And he is entrusting us to keep it going. To keep it going. Because there are people that need to experience the very thing that he is pouring out in this house. Now, not, all, not everyone will be ready to experience it, but he will bring those that he has called. Amen? So we have to keep it going. We get to keep it going. That's, a, that's something he has called us to do. By the way, this is not a new thing. For five years now, his glory has been pouring out. It's been increasing, but his glory has been pouring out for five years, as long as the, this church has been planted. And really, it started before. It started before, as we were at one point in time, a prayer gathering, a prayer meeting. So it started even before. But for five years, it's been going, and it's been growing, this outpouring. It's been increasing. What we do here is so important. Why, that's why he said this is a, a pivotal sanctuary because it's so important what we all do collectively here because it's what we do is going to impact somebody else. So like when you come to worship, your worship is also impacting somebody else, right? Or if you come and you're not willing to participate, that's also impacting somebody else in a negative way, right? So when you come, I want you to realize you're part of this, of this end-time army. You're part of this end-time outpouring just by walking in through the doors. Or if you listen online, then those, the same thing, you're a part. I want you to get this mindset of ownership because what we have here is incredible. Now, other places have some, of course, God's pouring out his, his presence, his glorious power. It's just not common. It's not wide. It's not widespread. 
right? What we do is very important, and our ability to bring people to Christ is critical for their future success as a radical Christian. I want you to remember that. As a radical Christian, inviting, sharing, speaking to people about what you have received. You have received from him. You have received. You've received his touch. You've received his love. You've received healing, both physical, emotional, and in every way. You've received, right? Financial increase. You've received. We've all received. We've seen so many things that God has done. Well, our job and our responsibility is to share that as God directs, but not to be shy about it, but to share this. We have to understand that we, as a body, must understand and be comfortable with his glory outpouring. Like, you might be comfortable in this room, but are you comfortable enough to talk about it outside of this room? And some will say yes, and some will say no, and that's okay. That's just where you're at. But we have to understand, what he's asking us is if you really love what God is doing, you're going to share it. If you love what somebody gives you as a gift, you're going to share it. You're going to talk about it, right? You're going to share it, right? And not put limits because this is what I find is, is that there are limits that are placed on things that we don't understand. See, people tend to control and limit what, what they don't understand. Are, are we following? People tend to control and try to put limits on what they don't understand. So I'm going to have you turn your Bibles right now to Matthew and in chapter 17. I want to talk to you about the transfiguration for a moment. Now it says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face was shining like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses, Elijah appeared, Moses and Elijah appeared to them walking with him. And then Peter answered and he said, Jesus, he said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, on their faces, and they were greatly afraid. But Jesus came, touched them, and said, Arise, do not be afraid. Right? When they lift up their eyes, they saw no one, but only, only, they only saw Jesus, right? So here, let's go back up to the beginning. So Jesus, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and leads them up to this high mountain, and he's transfigured. He starts shining. He starts, there's such a brightness about him, right? The glory of God radiating out and through him. But that's how we're to walk, too, with the radiance of God's glory, right? Just literally transforming because we continually just lift our faces up to the face of Jesus. And so, therefore, it's like the, his light just shines all around us, and we become his radiant ones. We are his, it's, he says, you are my becoming ones. You're radiant because I'm shining forth out of you, right? So this is what's happening. Jesus is being transfigured. His face is shining. His clothes are white as light. And then we've got Moses and Elijah that appear. 
And Peter says something very interesting. He says, oh, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tabernacles, right? Three tabernacles? Like, Peter, what are you talking about? Do you not see Jesus? Like, I want you to put yourself in this story. I want you to put yourself in the story for a moment. He's shining. Like, if you look at the sun, you can't even look at the sun that long, right? Because you're going to hurt your eyes. Jesus is shining. He's like brilliant, you know. And Peter, what are you thinking? You want to build three tabernacles? You want to build three? Now, think about the church for a moment. What's a tabernacle? Right? Like a tent of meeting in the Old Testament. A tent of meeting, like, like a booth or some kind of a contained structure where you would go in. You got it already. A contained structure where you're going to walk in like a box. The minute that the glory of God started to pour out, this is the first time that these three disciples saw the glory of God being poured out. The minute that the glory of God started to pour out, what did, what does a religious spirit do but try to contain it? Try to put it in a box. Try to put it back in a box. Wow, right? Like, Peter, what are you thinking about? You're going back to your Old Testament mindset. You're going back to a religious mindset, right? A box so you can contain the glory. Hey, that might have been okay in the Old Testament days, right? A box to contain God's glory. That might have been okay for what they knew and what they had. But we have the Holy Ghost. Because of the blood of Jesus, everything has changed. Because of the Holy Spirit, now the tabernacle is no longer an external substance, but it's within us. It's no longer an external building, but it's literally on the inside of us. The tabernacle, where we tabernacle with Him. Where the glory of God now starts to radiate in and through us. Not just on us, but in and through us. And that's a big, big, that's, there's a difference between what can be his radiance being upon us versus his radiance going out of us. We are called to walk in both. We're, we're called to walk in both. That's why when you come to a worship service and you get so filled and you can feel God's power, or even at your own home, you're getting filled, you're getting, you know, restored, you're getting healed. Your identity is just, you know, increasing in who you are in Christ. You know, is the love of Jesus is being poured out upon you. You're getting your assignments. You understand that you're a kingdom-minded person and that you're an ambassador for Christ. You understand your call. You understand that it is not just one individual but it is the group that God is calling his army to walk together side by side, step by step, that together we are working in this kingdom, bringing down the demonic powers and bringing up the name of Jesus, right? So, and that's because we understand we're kingdom-minded people that are not going to put God in a box the first time that he starts to, you know, manifest in a service. But that happens at places. The minute that somebody gets healed or starts to get healed, the minute somebody starts to tremble or, or, or you know, starts to manifest some demonic spirit, they shut it, shut it up, shut it down, put it in a box, and maybe, if they're doing good, bring it to another room to finish the job. Mm-mm. Here, here, not here, not here, that's for sure. But So my point, though, in all of this is this. Did Jesus say to Peter, good idea, Let's build three tabernacles. No, he didn't, right? He didn't at all. Peter, you're speaking of things you don't even understand, Peter. You, you know, you're speaking of things, you're just reacting. You're just reacting. Don't react. I want to read this again, this part of it at least. 
Peter answered and he said, verse 4, to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Well, I'm glad you see that much, Peter. He says, good for us to be here. And then he says, if you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, while he was still speaking. Now, Jesus could have said, hey, that's a good idea, or it's not a good. He ignored the whole thing, and while he was still speaking, behold, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was already being, he was already shining. He was already transfigured. Yes, verse 2. He was already shining like the sun. His clothes were already white, like, you know, as white as, as white, as light, right? But in verse 5, while he is still speaking, a cloud overshadows them, a bright cloud, and then a voice. The voice comes forth out of the cloud again. We know this happened when he was baptized. Again, this voice comes, and it's the voice of God. In this glorious encounter, why do you limit God? We will not limit God in this house. It doesn't matter if people understand it or like it or agree with it. You may have your own fellow Christians that don't agree. You may have people in your own circles that think you're strange and, and yeah, and don't understand and wouldn't even step foot in a, yeah, that kind of a church. Well, they're missing out. They're totally missing out. The glory of God cannot be contained by human hands, by a box that somebody tries to make. Even Jesus right there just totally ignored that comment and just let God speak. Will you just let God speak in and through your life? Just let him speak. Let him move. So... It shut Peter up pretty quick. He ditched that idea really quick as he is watching. Wow, now not only do I see this glorious light, now, now not only is Jesus shining like the sun and his clothes like bright, bright light, but now I hear a voice from heaven. Wow, what in the world? You know, just enjoy this. Just enjoy that encounter, Peter. Just enjoy the encounter because you've been chosen by God. God has chosen you too. He has chosen you too. To, to walk in so much more. I want God to move in even more power, even more glory. I want to see more. We're not, I'm happy, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. In other words, there's so much more. And I believe that it's not just me that feels this way. I know that this is a corporate word because he said this is a pivotal sanctuary. Pivotal. I thought that was interesting in the way he, he chose to describe what he is calling this place, this body of believers. And it is for an end time purpose because there are people that are going to come in that are going to desperately need the power of God that you carry. You carry the power of God. Is that not true? We carry the power of God, the hope of glory, God in us. Amen? And so I just thought that was really pretty interesting because... God does not want to live in a box. Amen. For some of your, you know, fellow Christian believers or even family members that continually make you feel ridiculed for sharing what happened at service, you were so excited, and then you shared, and then it was like a balloon becoming deflated. Well, you got to get over it. You just got to get over it, and you got to realize something. Not everyone is ready to hear the glory that you're walking in. Amen. God will not be put in a box. He wasn't going to be put in a box in this story, was he? Jesus was not going to be put in a box, even though it was suggested, even though he thought he had a great idea, and he went ahead and voiced his great idea. Jesus didn't go for it. So when people are trying to put you in a box 
and tell you all these things that this is wrong or this is not of God. You know what? You can remind them of the story of the transfiguration. God will not be put in a box. You're trying to put God in a box, but it will not happen. The temple, the sanctuary now lives on the inside of us. And we're going to be those that are going to walk with the fire of God. And we're not going to be worried or considering those that don't understand. You pray for them. You explain as God speaks to you to explain. But you keep on moving. You keep on being radical for Jesus. You keep on allowing his glory to be poured out. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 were being filled with the glory of God, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, right? That had never yet been done before. It had not been done, but yet God poured out his spirit on those that were hungry. They were there and they were waiting. They were there and they were waiting and they were pressing in and they were not disappointed as to what happened, were they? They were not disappointed. And even though there were those that were saying they're drunk, what's wrong with them? There'll always be those that don't understand. But I'll tell you, there was an increase, wasn't there? How many people got saved? There was an increase. The church opened up, broke through. The church was birthed. And then we got 3,000 people that get saved right away. There's an increase. There's an increase coming. And I want to tell you all that what God is doing in this place, even if some, even in your own family, for some of you, you have spouses that don't even like what you're coming to or hearing they don't understand it and they're against it they're opposed you know to this you know what you have to know that jesus had people too constantly constantly that were opposed to what he was saying and doing but and he's god so so don't be shocked or alarmed at that but just know you've got this gift that you understand the the outpouring you're hungry what i mean by gift is the love of god that's been poured out so you're hungry for more because you've seen him at work i want you to say this with god will not live in a box the heart of man is his throne so in other words you know yeah the heart of man your heart where is his throne now where is his sanctuary now inside of you the heart of man the glory of god is inside of you you are carriers of his glory you're going to carry the flame of god jesus had his 12th initially and then it spread then he had his 70 his 72 and then it spread even after jesus died and rose again then it spread again to the 120 and then that continued to spread and then they went to 3,000 and then they went to 5,000 and that continues to spread and now it's like people are catching the fire all around the world and all around the world there are pockets of people that understand exactly what I'm talking about and they want to be an end time army and they're not willing to allow people's opinions uh, to stop or to change what God is doing radical warriors valiant ones for him his encounters they tend to offend the religious minds i know that's not new news for any of you but when the holy spirit brings forth his encounters which he does all the time it does kind of tend to um, offend the religious mindset so you know if the pharisees constantly were trying to entrap Jesus, right? They were constantly trying to entrap him, asking if it was against the law to heal on the Sabbath. That's just one of the ways they were constantly trying to entrap Jesus. The Pharisees taught that only if someone's life was in danger was it permitted to actually give them any kind of medical attention on the Sabbath. 
And that's only as much as to keep him from dying. Don't give him too much. That's insane. That's crazy. But this was their mindset. This was their law. Let's go to Luke 17. Because it's when he healed the 10 lepers that he's getting all this, all this uh, kickback was coming forth because he healed the, the 10 lepers. So Luke and chapter 17. Luke 17, 17. Or were there not 10 that were cleansed? But where are the other nine? They're not found. They, they did not any that were healed come back except for the one, basically. Only one returned to give God glory. And he says, Jesus says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Only one came back. They were all 10 healed, all 10 of the lepers, right? And one comes back, gives him praise, gives him thanks. And he says, go your, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Wonderful. Great. But then look at verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he just got done healing these 10 lepers. It's like somebody's saying, wow, that person just got healed of blindness. Wow, that's incredible. And then somebody's saying, that's a fake. I don't believe it. You know, that kind of response. You guys have heard it. I'm sure you guys have heard it. So when he was asked by the Pharisees, when, the, when would the kingdom of God come? It's like, did you not just see what just happened? The kingdom of God is actually here right now. Well, sadly, you don't understand what the kingdom of God means because if you did, you wouldn't ask that question. When he, the Pharisees asked when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're trying to assess with your natural mind. You're trying to just observe and make it and figure it all out. He says, it doesn't come with a natural observation. He says, nor will they say, see here or see there. He says, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God, Jesus looks at them and the kingdom of God is within you. They're upset because Jesus just got done healing the 10 lepers and they're trying to entrap him. And Jesus turns it all around and says, actually, the kingdom of God is within you. You're wondering when it's going to come. I'm telling you, not only is it here, but it's in the heart of man. It's in us. It's in the believers. It's in us, right? It's, in, it's within. And so they try to discredit and they try and they bring tension. This is the same thing that happens to us. They try to discredit. They try to bring tension. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You got someone at home or someone somewhere that you tried to share things with. They try to discredit you. They try to bring this tension, right? It happened all the time to Jesus. But he didn't stop. He knew that he was going to offend the religious mind. So some of you just need to understand that's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. It's okay because greater is he on the inside of you right? And so they tried to entrap him and they tried to discredit, you know, him with the, with, within the Jewish community, you know, about how to live faithfully to God, even under that Roman rulership that they were under. So they're trying to bring in all this, um, just difficulty, yeah, mixture and all these problems and, and basically to try to get them, get them to un, not believe, to have unbelief, right? And the same is true today, you guys, you know, when they try to discredit Jesus, he, they also see, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. When they try to entrap him, right, in that, in that section there, in that story. I love what he said, though, in there. He says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is in Matthew 22, if you want to write this down. 
Matthew 22 and in verse 36. They're trying to entrap him again. I mean, it's happened all the time, right? Which is the greatest commandment. And Jesus answered wisely, and he said, the whole person's love for God, which is the, which is the greatest commandment? The whole person's love for God is the greatest commandment. He said, love Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And in another section it says, and strength. And he says, right, and love your neighbor as yourself. What is the greatest commandment? He said to love God with everything within you. When they were trying to discredit him and trying to pick at him and trying to bring in all of their man-made rules and laws as to why you shouldn't be doing what you're doing on the Sabbath, Jesus. But he didn't stop. He didn't stop. And so when, when men say, and men, women, when they say all manner of evil and wickedness, you know, about what you're involved in, what you're doing. Let me tell you, you're involved in the kingdom of God. You're here to bring the power of God to light. You're literally raising people from their deathbed. You're literally calling people out from deception. This is who you are because one day you were on your deathbed. One day you too were filled with deception. But God brought you out. And because he brought you out, he's using you as a mighty, valiant warrior in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. In Luke 3.16, the word of God says to be continually baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Why do we pray? Why do we, why do we talk about fire so much? Isn't fire bad? No, fire is, sometimes fire is bad. It's going to burn away the things that are not of God. But sometimes fire is good, and fire is so good that it causes you to be a burning one for him, right? To have the purity of God on the inside of you. So in, verse, in, in Luke 3.16, the Bible says to be continually baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's the spirit of holiness. And that's what I'm getting at. Why is God saying, I am making this place a pivotal sanctuary where my believers that are on fire are just going to continue to be added like unto their numbers. And together it's a holy inferno because what God is doing with baptizing us in the Holy Spirit and with fire is that he is increasing the spirit of holiness. And when the spirit of holiness that comes really truly the spirit of holiness, then you walk differently. See, the spirit of holiness is not looking at the external. That's what the Pharisees did. But the, the Pharisee's spirit is nitpicking on the outside. But God says, I'm causing you to rise up and to walk with the spirit of holiness which comes from the inside out the spirit of holiness is what's lacking so much in the church today at large the spirit of holiness i've told you that before many many times we're going to be those that are more concerned with what god is doing internally and then we're going to let that come forth and shine through because we care more about what he says than about what someone else might say what if god shows you to be one that walks with him in an isolated way or some some form of isolation where you're not surrounded by everybody's accolades would you still carry that torch? Would you still have the fire of God on the inside of you? And the answer is yes. Why is it that last situation that you felt so isolated and so stuck and not knowing how to respond or what to respond, and you responded negatively, when you have the mind of Christ? Why I'm saying this is because I want to put you in remembrance and for some of you in revelation to the fact that you have the mind of the creator inside of you.